You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. Merry Christmas, almost. Merry Christmas, John. All right, thank you, thank you. All right. Supposed to, speaking of gifts, supposed to be a true story. Uh, young 18-year-old Bill, he's, uh, he lives in an affluent neighborhood. He's a, uh, you know, just kind of a kid that's used to getting things. And everybody around there, when you graduate from high school, it seems like everybody he knows gets a new car. And so he's like, hey, Dad, and he's, you know, all excited about that, and, and his dad even goes as far as to, you know, go and um, spend months looking at cars for the big date, graduation date, and a week before graduation, they had found the perfect car, and, and Bill was certain that that car was going to be his on graduation night, and so, you know, a big old bow tied around it, and uh, congrats, Bill, good work, Bill, written on all the windows like they do, so the graduation ceremony comes and goes and afterwards, Bill, he didn't care about that really. He just can't wait to get home and get that new car, that sweet ride. And comes home, doesn't see it in the driveway. So, all right, well, maybe they're going to have somebody drive it in, you know, drive it up with lots of drama and fanfare. So he comes inside, and there's all his family and friends, festive party atmosphere, you know, the congratulations streamers, the punch, the cake, the family. And Bill's dad goes into a back uh, room and comes back with a package in the shape of a book, wrapped up, nice, bow on top, and he says, here you go, buddy, smiling, dad's all, and he's confused a little bit, but he's, you know, he tears it open, it's a Bible, it's, it's a Bible, and, and he's been dreaming after, lusting after, only thinking after, you know, these, these awesome set of wheels, and dad gives me a stinking Bible, he's more than mad. He'd cry if his teen pride, you know, wasn't running so high. So he hurls that Bible down on the floor, storms out of the house, and Bill and his dad never see each other again. We're in Acts chapter 2 today. You'll want to go there on Christmas Eve Sunday, and the text fits the calendar. I did not. I'd love to say I planned this, but I did not plan this. I think God just sovereignly set it up uh, as we're talking about this because I'm speaking on offending the gift giver, offending the gift giver. And uh, that is what some of us are honestly doing. Now, that's the title, Offending the... If you've got, hopefully you got your message notes. If not, you can get one after the service out there for a uh, suggested donation of $10. And it has a place in it for the message title, the date, you know the date, right? Uh, and the speaker, just put PJ, that's me, Pastor John. Message title, Offending the Gift Giver, and then we'll give you the main scripture. Well, it's Acts 2, 1 through 42. Um, but that's what some of us, offending the gift giver, that's what some of us are honestly doing to God this morning. So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, that's on page 1007 in the blue Bibles. If you have a blue Bible, uh, it's in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, that is our, speaking of gifts, that's our Christmas gift to you. The Blue Bible, right there. We spared no expense. Uh, and you can take it home with you, put your name in it, bring it back next Sunday. But that's page 1007 in that Bible. All right, so Acts 2, we pick it up in verse 22. Are you there? Say, I'm there. All right, here we go. 
Men of Israel. Now, this is Peter. Remember, Peter's preaching. They, it, we looked at last week. Uh, Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit came down on the church. They, they spoke in other languages that were discernible to people from, you know, different parts of the world who were there for the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And so uh, they get this big crowd, and they're like, oh, these dudes are just drunk. And then Peter's like, no, man, we're not drunk. What's the matter with you? And so he's explaining it. He's explaining it. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God and with mighty works and wonders and signs that, that's going on, that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. In other words, they knew about Jesus. You know, he'd been crucified 40 days ago. Uh, they knew the whole, you know, at least the gossip. This Jesus, now look at how many times it says this Jesus. This Jesus delivered up according to the def definite plan and foreknowledge. Interesting, that Greek word there, foreknowledge, is probably prognosis, pro-gnosis. Gnosis means knowledge, pro, before knowledge. thought that was interesting. The prognosis, the foreknowledge of God, you crucified. I mean, he's in their face. He's in their chili. And killed by the hands of lawless men, the Romans. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he gets into some prophecy uh, and he explains it. For David says concerning him, he's quoting now Psalm 16. David wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I saw the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad. My tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades. That's the place of the dead. That was just kind of their general descriptor for it. Or let your Holy One see corruption, decay, or rot. For you have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. And now he explains it. So he gives the prophecy from David that none of them have really picked up on or understood. Um, and he says, now, I, may I say to you, I may say to you, with confidence about the patriarch David, the dude that wrote that, that he died. He both died and was buried and decayed. His tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned. The Christ was not abandoned to Hades, nor did the Christ's flesh see corruption. This Jesus, there it is, God raised up. Of, of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's what was happening. All right, the Holy Spirit came down, filled the church, empowered the church, emboldened the church. Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not, he says, this wasn't about, this prophecy wasn't about David. A lot of them thought it was. David didn't ascend into heaven, but he himself says, and then he's another quote from David, Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, that's interesting, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's a, that's a deity right there, the deity of Christ. The, the Lord doesn't call David Lord, never would call David Lord. He calls the Son of God, second person of the Trinity Lord. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, there it is again, whom you crucified. <clears throat> now, here's, he, so he, man, he just drilling in on them. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I mean, they were just, 
and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, this is an amazing, best question in the world, brothers, what should we do? And Peter doesn't hold back. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Those are in the imperative. You need to do this, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, now put a box around for, we'll get back to it, because otherwise you'll misunderstand what he's saying, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This that you're all seeing here. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, that's us, hallelujah. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, that's the drawing predestination of God. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were what? They were what? Oh yeah. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The church went from a, a normal size American church, 120, to a mega church in one day. Whew, try to navigate that. Boom. And so they, continue in verse 42, they devoted themselves, this church, to four things, the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that's the Lord's Supper, and the prayers. So that is the word of God. Now, we... Uh, you say, all right, John, I don't see in there any offending the gift giver in this whole passage. Well, let's jump right in. I'm going to show you, all right? So if you're tracking in your notes, I offend first, number one, the gift giver when I'm not listening to him. When I'm not listening to him. What do you mean? Peter says something right at the front. He says, men of Israel. What's his word? Whoa, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. All right. Peter never had these problems. Here, what was it? Here, it's, it's, a, it's a, in the imperative, it's a command. Listen to me, hear these words. Most people, even folks who title themselves Christians, some of you, maybe many of you, I hope not, but many folks aren't really listening to our gift-giving God. You come this morning, Christmas Eve morning service, and, but you're not, you, you're not listening yet. Peter's hollering at them. He has to because of the size of the crowd. Hear these words. It's in the Greek imperative. It's, it's a command. It's basically hear, believe, respond. Listen to me. And then Peter launches. He launches. He gives a master class on preaching. This is probably, next to the, 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 uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this is probably the best sermon uh, uh, in, in the whole Word of God. I mean, it's just powerful. It has everything. And, and so it has, it has the, the sin problem. It has the Jesus solution to the sin problem. He goes to the death, the burial, the resurrection, the, the lordship of Christ, the sovereignty of God, the deity of Christ, the glorification of Christ, Bam, all in this little message. So, and then, so he's got the sin problem, the Jesus solution, and then the action to take. It is an amazing masterclass on preaching. And he's saying, dudes, dudettes, don't ignore this. Don't ignore this. Now, let me ask you today, you listening to me, how are you listening? How are you listening? Anytime you come in or hear any preacher, how are you listening and you're like, well, John, don't worry about me, man. I'm not one of those ignorers. I'm not ignoring the gift giving God, not me. You don't. That's good. I hope you don't. But so let me ask you just, all right, and don't answer out loud. Everything he says in his word, you believe? Yes. Most of you say yes. Yes. Definitively yes. And everything in his word that you say you believe, you do. Love your wife, husbands, as Christ loves the church. Do you love her that well, John, it's impossible. There's a benchmark. Are you trying? 
Are you trying? Are you even trying? Some of you were mean to her this morning. You fake it when you come in here. I know about you, you scallywags, because, you know, I've done it before, too. Wife. You're like, get him, get him, John. All right. <laughs> Are you respecting your husband or disrespecting him? This week, did you give him more respect or disrespect? You're not supposed to give any disrespect. That's a command. I believe the word of God, do you? Do you? Are you training up your kids if you have kids in the way that God says they should go and not the way culture says? Are you standing against the culture? Are you telling your kids the truth? Even if you know if they repeat it at school, they're going to get in trouble. You love the God who gives gifts, so do you give gifts back to him? Are you a tither or are you just one of those tippers? You don't want your family and friends and coworkers to die right and end up in hell. So are you always looking for ways to share the gospel with them, even if it's uncomfortable? Or are you just going to let them go to hell? When you were right there in their sphere of influence, maybe the most dominant one in their sphere of influence who has the Holy Spirit inside you and the truth of the word of God to keep them from hell. Say we believe it. Many of us, we, <laughs> we don't really believe it because we don't do it. If you believe it, you do it. John 14 I love this because this just cuts to the quick and these are Jesus' word. If you love me, I love Jesus. I got me a bumper sticker. You will do what? Say it louder. If you keep my commandments, if you love me, you will. Well, John, some of that stuff is hard for me. It's just not how I'm wired. I know, I know. That is why Jesus was putting it all in context here. You can't do it yourself. It was never meant for you to do it yourself. You have to be full of the power of the... Holy Spirit in order to do it. You, if you can't do or you aren't doing it, it's because you're not full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Simple as that. You husbands that treat your wives like crap, you know, I can tell right now, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You might say, oh, I'm going to heaven. I'm not even asking that. All right? well, I might question that if you do enough of it like that. But if you treat her like crap, you are not. You have no right to say you're walking with Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. Wife, if you're, well, here, I'd, I'd respect him if he earned respect. That's not what the Bible says. And by the way, what you praise, you get more of. Did you know that? So, and I'm not talking about lying. Oh, you're amazing when he's just a bum. But there's always something you could praise. Oh, honey, you didn't leave the toilet seat up. Oh, you get more of it. You'll get more of it. You will. But don't say you're full of the Holy Spirit, girl, if you do not, do not respect your husband. And so that's how Peter here could be so bold in the face of these people. Remember, Peter was running. Peter was scared. Peter was denying just a couple weeks ago. Now he's standing up in front of people, some of whom quite possibly and probably have the very blood of Jesus on their hands and left over on some of their clothes. Those people who he was so fearful of before, what's the difference? He's full of the Holy Spirit's power. And the Holy Spirit brings with him boldness. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It continues in the context. I love this. Oh, John, it's so hard to keep the commandments of Jesus. Well, you will if you love him, but here's the solution. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you. Who's the helper, John? The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, who the world can't receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and where? Will be in you. 
That's the Holy Spirit. That he's t- so I can't do this. I can't keep his commandments like he wants me to. Uh, that's why he gives me the helper to help me to do it, to empower me. I offend the gift-giving God when I'm not listening to him. That's why over and over and over again, seven times in the Gospels, five times in the book of Revelation, Jesus is hollering out, he who has ears to hear, let him what? Hear. Some of you here today, you got ears, but they aren't spiritual. You don't have spiritual ears, and you're not hearing. And so you'll hear a Christmas sermon, and you'll go home unchanged. Application. I have an application box on the back of the sheet for you. Write this down. When I've got my butt in church, I need to get my ears there too. When I got my butt in church, I go, I'm here, ain't I? Okay, get your ears here too. We see your butt. <laughs> get your ears. All right? So I offend the gift giver when I'm not listening to him. Number two, I offend the gift giver when I'm not honoring him. When I'm not honoring him. In Acts 2, back to Acts 2, this Jesus. And over and over, you ought to underline every time it says, this Jesus, this Jesus. And in the Greek, it's this, this Jesus. God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit was just poured on the church. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And then he says this, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, who's him? Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, there it is again, this Jesus, whom you, and he just, he's not backing down, who you dudes crucified, that Jesus, this Jesus, this, this Jesus, Lord means all-powerful master. Maybe you call Jesus your Lord, but you don't obey him. He says, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I say? Christ means anointed one or my anointed savior. So man, he's, there's this huge theology in this message. He's both Lord and Christ. He's the all-powerful master of the universe. He's also my anointed savior. Back in the day when, uh, uh, what was it called? Oh, I forget the name of it. But it was like, was it Masters of the Universe? Is that a cartoon? Yes? Okay, yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't let Johnny watch it. Because we were, okay, we were kind of legalistic, Right? We didn't have a TV for years, but then he's like, the masters of the universe. I'm like, nope, there's only one master of the universe. All right, don't let culture pervert you, kid. And look, he's a pastor today. Boom. So, <laughs> all because we didn't let, I think after a while we softened and backslid or whatever. So, uh, <laughs> I'm called not just to listen to him, but to honor him in my life. Lord's Prayer says, hallowed be thy Name. What does hallowed mean? It means honored. One thing I do when I pray through the Lord's Prayer is I, I always pray, you know, I pray each line and I, you know, and then I go on from there. I use it as, an, as a pattern. It's not just something I boom, 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 boom. But uh, each line and then I go off into, you know, whatever the line is talking about. And, and when I come to hallowed be thy name, and I don't always say the same thing, but I typically say, Lord, don't let me dishonor the family name. I'm not talking about Houston, but that either, but I'm talking about the family of God. Some of you are dishonoring the family name. You're not hallowing his name. You're dishonoring his name by, by what you're doing. And, and you're like, what do you mean, John? Well, Christmas Eve, Sunday morning, okay? You gotta be honest when you're sitting in church on the eve of Jesus' birthday, right? <laughs> application. Write this down in your application box. Am I dishonoring Jesus? 
anywhere? Am I dishonoring Jesus? Write it down, because some of us are. Where are you dishonoring Jesus? Who many of you say, oh yeah, you're my Lord, you're my master, you're my savior. Could be anything on any level. Entertainment, you stream at home. You just excuse the nudity. Oh, you know, I don't watch that. Pfft. Ladies, if your husband tells you that, don't believe him. All right, really quiet in here. In your sex life, are you honoring him? What do you mean honoring him? He's the one that made sex. He says, I want you to have amazing, amazing sex in marriage. In marriage. That's what I made it for. I made it amazing. In marriage. If you have it outside of marriage, whether for, through fornication or adultery, then you are dishonoring him. And by the way, Jesus said, you know, if you lust at a woman, you've committed Adultery with her already in your heart, porn. You guys, you, you're dishonoring Jesus every time you log on, every time you do that secret thing, every time you go to the dark web or wherever you go, you are dishonoring him every time. Don't, Jesus said, don't tell me you'd love me and do that stuff. Well, man, I got an addiction. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is for, to break addictions. He can he can. Those of you, I, I've not said this a long time, and it makes some of you mad, but that's okay. Some of you we have here, you go, well, John, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, but I just haven't had a drink in 10 years. You're, you're an alcoholic? Well, yeah, yeah, I just always got to remind myself I'm an alcoholic. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, it gives a ton of list of sins, and it says, that's what some of you were. But now you are born again. You are changed. You're a new creation in Christ. Don't identify as that. That's not you. You are a new, that made, that's the old you. The new you is <laughs> the child of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. But it could be anything at any level. Being a lazy employee. Something like, oh yeah, that, that sickens me. Some of the people that quote the Bible to most are the worst workers. They are. I've seen it. Oh man, everybody knows they're Christian at work. Oh, I'm sharing my faith in Jesus. Yeah, but you suck. You're a lazy worker. You're a backbiter. You're a gossip. You think that you are just really being used of God. Shut up. Tell everybody you're a pagan. Right? Instead of defaming the name of God. Some of you guys need to get it. And girls need to suck it up. Well, John, it's just a dead-end job. Well, you know what? You're in a dead-end job. I promise you. I promise you. This is not my notes either. You, Jesus is your HR director. He's your human resources. He's your personnel director. The Bible says we are to work as if we're working for Christ. They said, well, John, you don't know my boss. I don't have to. I'm supposed to work for whatever boss like he's Jesus, like she's Jesus. And when we do what Jesus does, then people notice us. And I tell you what, nowadays, folks, here, here's a secret to getting ahead nowadays in today's economy. Show up at work. Show up at work. And you'll be, you know, nine-tenths above everybody. Even if you're a lazy, still a slug. But don't be a slug. Work while you're at work. Some of you ought to write this down. Show up at work. Work while I'm at work. <laughs> God will bless you. He'll pour out his favor on you. You'll get noticed. You will. Or God will open up a better job. Trust me in this. I've seen it happen. But if you're a lazy slug, don't tell anybody you're a Christian. Because that just hurts the name of Christ. That dishonors the name of Jesus. 
Matthew 15 and verse 7. <laughs> this is Jesus again. He's rough. You hypocrites. Some of us are hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is where? Far from me. That's some of us. We go, oh, yeah, we come in here, we sing, oh, yeah, praise Jesus. Raise our hands, maybe. Heart's not there. And God knows. God says to some of us in the Old Testament, he says, your worship makes me want to puke. I'd rather you didn't come at all. I'd rather you quit that stuff you call worship because you're not worshiping me. That's what Jesus is saying. You're like, dude, this is kind of a rough sermon for a Christmas sermon. <laughs> no rougher than what Peter's laying down. No rougher than what Peter's throwing down or what Jesus is throwing down here. Peter's preaching this master class sermon and he's lining up to land the plane, make, make the application, drill the truth in. I offend the gift giver first when I'm not listening to him, second when I'm not honoring him, and third when I won't receive his gift. When I won't receive the gift he bought for me. And this is, this is listen, I want you to listen. I want you to have ears to hear right now. Ears to hear. The most important probably question in the universe. Have ears to hear. If you were to die today, just draw a circle around yourself. Don't think about anybody else. If you were to die today on Christmas Eve, that'd be tragic, right? Probably mess up Christmas for your loved ones from then on. But be that as it may, you die. Car wreck, cancer, heart attack, whatever. You're dead. You're flatlined. And you find yourself at the gate of glory. And there's old St. Peter, the one who's preaching this message. There's Peter. He's got gate duty. And he says, I see you died. Condolences. <laughs> and you're like, thanks, I guess, you know. But I, I guess I'm here meeting with you uh, to sign the paperwork from a new mansion. So I'm excited about that. Peter said, okay, wait, hold on a second. Got to make sure you're in the right eternal place. I got just one question for you. Your entrance to heaven depends on your answer. Here's the question. This is the question. Why should we let you into God's heaven? Why should we let you into God's heaven. And then he just looks at you, waiting for your answer. Now in here, right in here, don't answer out loud, but in your heart of hearts, what would you say if that were you? Heart of hearts, don't say it out loud. What would you say? What's the first thing or two things that spring to mind? Some of you just got it wrong. You got it very wrong. And because of that, as you are currently spiritually situated, you're not going to heaven right now. If you were to die this afternoon, you wouldn't go to heaven, you'd go to hell. No mansion, no golden streets, no eternity with God. Because if you answered like many of you just did in your heart, in your mind, something like this, well, I, I was never really a bad person. Or I was a church member or I've been baptized, or I went through catechism as a kid, or I, I went to youth camp. Hey, I sang on the praise team. I worked in kids' ministry here at Point Harbor every Sunday. Oh, John, I'm, are you like this? I'm, I'm not just a tipper, I'm a tither. If any of your answers were anything like that, Peter would tell you, and, and here in the scripture, would tell you, you don't have heaven. You are headed on the fast track, on the path to hell. Like, what? How can you say that? It's, it's right here in the, in the pages of God's word that hopefully you're holding. Some of you just haven't had ears to hear it. 
In Acts 2, he says it back to Acts 2. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. There's conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do, man? What should we do? Should I join your church? Should I give money to, you know, the synagogue? What, what, what do I need to do, man? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, nobody gets out of this, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, all right, there's the Greek word for for, ace, the forgiveness of your sins, and you will, then, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent is what he's saying. But, but, but John, he says, get baptized there too. He says, hey, repent and get baptized. I thought that baptism, my baptism didn't save me. It doesn't save you. It shows that you already are saved. But it, but it, it seems like, I know, I get it. It shows externally what happened internally. That's the reason for baptism. And, and, and the interpretation right now that some of you are like, well, be baptized in order to receive forgiveness, man, that contradicts everything that the New Testament teaches about salvation by grace through faith. It, it contradicts everything. To help you out, old Charlie Swindoll writes this. The Greek word underlying for, all right, here's the word for. It, it sounds like, oh, I need to get repent. Uh, and get baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. That's how it sounds. It's kind of an unfortunate translation. Is the Greek word is ice, underlying it, frequently re means with respect to or with reference to. So Swindoll says, I would paraphrase the verse this way. If I was writing my own Bible paraphrase, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, ice, in view of, because of, the forgiveness of your sins. So, and I believe that's, that's correct. Many times they preach in Acts later on and they say without baptism, they don't even mention baptism, they say repent, repent, repent. If baptism is necessary as repentance is to get to heaven, they would always say baptize, be, repent and be baptized, repent and be baptized. But this, repent, each of you be baptized in the name of Christ in view of because you have repented or you've got the forgiveness of your sins. I know it's a little techie. You got it? Get it? All right, good. But hang with me. Repentance and faith. Some people are confused. Well, am I supposed to repent? Oh, yeah, there's always, you know, some churches don't preach repentance enough. And I would agree with that. Except that one, one guy approached one a pastor, I forget who it was, one time and says, you know what? Repentance, you don't preach on repentance enough. And he made this point. I thought it was a good point. What's the book in the Bible besides Romans that is the most about salvation and how you come to God? The Gospel of John. And repentance, repent, is never one time in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, for, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed, that's the opposite side of the coin. They're two sides of the same coin. Faith and repentance, all right, they're hinged together. Mark 1, here he, he ties them together. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel or the gospel and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe, all right? These, the, same, the tide, the same, are two different sides of the same coin in the gospel. Repent and believe. What if I don't repent and believe? Jesus says, if you don't, unless you repent, you will all likewise what? Perish. Say it louder. Perish. 
Now, the word perish is kind of, oh, I know I'm going to die. No, no, no. This is a palamia, to be destroyed, to be ruined, to perish. It's a heavy, it's, it's, it's hinting about death in hell. Now, to get techie, I need a little bit more. Hang on, all right? Techie around Christmas. Repentance is the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia means, and, and, and you're like, people are like, repentance, that means I'm sorry. No. All right, now those two a lot of times come together, but that's not the same thing. You can be sorry without repenting. Many people, you see politicians get recently, some of them get caught doing some really stupid stuff. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they're not repenting. They're sorry they got caught. That's many of us. So repentance is really metanoia. It's I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm you know, on a slippery slope. I'm headed to hell. And I get repentance, I, I change my mind, which changes my heart, which changes my will, which changes my direction. I was going the wrong direction, following Satan. Now I turn, I repent. It's always involving action. And it's a work of the spirit. I'm repenting of my sinful life, repenting of me trying to work my way to heaven which offends the gift-giving God. Jesus says, I paid on the cross the whole thing, and you're trying to give me some money or some service or some baptism to help out? You're trying to help out a little bit? That's not a gift. That's not a free gift. It's a discount. I'm repenting of not fully trusting in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus as my full payment. That offends God. When you do not, when you say, well, God, I got to help you a little bit with my good works. It offends me. He says, no, then you ain't getting a gift. And in repentance, I come in faith to Jesus, believing what he says. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin, the payment I get for sin is death. He's talking about death and hell. But uh, what kind of gift? Say it louder. Free gift. Free gift. He, he says, let me explain it to you. I, I should only have to say gift, but it's a free gift, not a discount. Of God is eternal life in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hear his word. I believe his word. I receive his gift. But you're like, but John, I believe in Jesus, man. Okay, intellectually, most of America believes in Jesus. You know, well, I'm not a Muslim, right? Uh, you know, I was born, you know, in church or I born, my family went to church. Have you personally ever received Jesus? Not trying to bring him anything to help him with a discount. The Christmas verse that most folks don't know is a Christmas verse is in the gospel of John. And it goes this way. Uh, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all, to how many? All who did receive him, who believed, here's what it is, believe in his name, believe on his name, not just believe about him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's, there's no baptism there, there's no good works there, there's no giving money to the church there. Let me demonstrate this gift box, all right? If I came to you and said, hey, I got you this gift, and you're like, oh man, what is it? Is it a pony? <laughs> No, it's not a pony, but it's an amazing gift, right? And, and, and you, you, you say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and you, but you never bring it into your house. You never unwrap it. You never really receive it. And that's some of you. That was me for 19 years. I believed about it. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, I believed that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jesus died for me. Oh, yeah, he bought eternal life for me, but I never received, personally received the gift of eternal life. And so I was headed to hell, religious, well-intentioned, 
headed to hell. Some of you, maybe many of you, you see it, you believe that God gave salvation through Christ, the death, burial, resurrection, but you haven't really received. There's never been a time when you've accepted him, embraced him, taken him to yourself. I mean, I went to vacation Bible school every summer, youth camps every summer, was through catechism, baptized, sang, you know, in Christmas cantatas. But until that afternoon of, of October 21st, 1979, in my Navy barracks room, I never received Jesus. And I came on that, on that, that, that afternoon in my Navy barracks room, and it hit me, wow. I, have not, I can't remember when I ever have really personally received Jesus. I've always intellectually, yeah, you know, yeah, Jesus is all right. Yeah, man, I believe in Jesus, but I've never, so you're, what some people say, you miss heaven by 18 inches from here to here. And that's some of you. There's never been a time in your life when you personally placed your faith in Christ, trusting him, his death, his burial, his resurrection alone to get you to heaven. So how about you? Have you got a spiritual birthday? October 21st, 1979 is mine. I didn't hear any angel choirs. There was no preacher there. Nobody around but me and Jesus. Application, if you're writing this down. Have I really received Jesus? Question mark. And then I would put when? Question mark. Well, John, I don't think that you have to know when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Ah, well, you know, I remember the day I got married. You know, you better remember the day you got married. <laughs> I remembered, you know, when I joined the Navy. I remember the day I got out of the Navy, hallelujah. I remember all those things very clear. A life-changing event, you should remember it, I would think. You should remember, oh yeah, that's, that's the place I trusted Christ. That's the, you know, that's the time when I really, really placed my faith in Jesus. When you're like, okay, some of you, many of you, maybe most of you, John, no problems there, man. I know, I got it. I can take you the time, the place, man. I can take it, I meant it. I meant it, I prayed it, I meant it. I was repenting and I was, you know, believing that I'm not offending my gift-giving God. Are you still sure? Hang on. Acts 26, he says this, toward the end of Acts, I declared that they should repent and turn to God and what happens when you repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance? You don't do works to get saved, but if you're saved, there are going to be some manifestations of it. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your works, if you will. The deeds in keeping with their repentance. There's some things that come along. There's a life change if you got the genuine article. We don't get saved by our works, but one of the proofs of, of the reality of our salvation is that we are changed, not perfectly, not immediately, but over the process of time. We got some new passions and priorities. We start loving the things he loves. We start loving the people he loves. I'm talking about his church his church, his body, me connected to and serving in his body. Those things ought to follow your repentance. They ought to follow. They ought to be connected to it on the heels of it, which drives us to this last point. I offend my gift-giving God. Number four, when I don't enjoy and employ his spiritual gifts. I offend my gift-giving God when I don't enjoy and employ his spiritual gifts. And this is some of you. In Acts 2 and verse 41. Now I messed up here, so just disregard the six. So those who received his word did what? 
did what? <laughs> Received his word, were baptized, so they got baptized right away that day. Boom. The New Testament knows nothing of an unbaptized believer. It was so close. That's why they write it so close in the Bible. That's why some people confuse that. Oh, you got to get baptized to be saved. No, no, no. But it was just presumed. Hey, I, I, I've trusted Jesus. He's my Messiah. I, I'm, I'm starting to live a new life here. I'm going to announce it, even though some of my family and friends are going to disown me. This is a demarcation of my salvation. It's the proclamation of my salvation. Some of you have been, or you say you have, been saved for years and years and years, and you've never been baptized because you think it's optional or not very important. Every time it is mentioned, it is mentioned, trust Jesus, get baptized. Trust Jesus, get baptized. Peter, Paul, all of those boys would come to our churches and be shocked at how many of you are not baptized, but say you're saved. And I think that some of them would get your face and go, yeah, you ain't saved. You ain't saved, because everybody I know that's saved the Holy Spirit comes in, they accept the gift of eternal life, and so the Holy Spirit comes in and starts telling them what to do, and the Holy Spirit would have been telling you to get baptized, to show that you're proud of Jesus. Those who received his word, all of them, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now that's 3,000 people getting baptized. We, we did baptisms here last week, how many was there? 11? 11. 11 people got baptized, and it took some time, Right? In the first service, one. In the last service, 10. And that took five, 10 minutes. Just think of 3,000. And they only got 120 in their church. I mean, this, and so they, there are a lot of pools around the, the temple, different pools. They just kind of, I'm sure, grabbed them. Hey, let's go over here. And then the, 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 the you know, Jewish officials were like, what are they doing? What are these Christians doing? Whoa, no. And they knew what baptism was. Jews would baptize Gentiles who said, I want to be a Jew. I want to follow the Jewish religion, and they would immerse them. All right, you're leaving your pagan gods, and you're coming to the one God. And so now these Christians are baptizing folks, and everybody knows who's a Christian who's not. There's a demarcation. What about you? So verse, look at this. Those who received his word were baptized, and then they were added that day, to the church, 3,000 souls. And then they came to church when they wanted to. When it was convenient, they sat on their butts and they threw some tips into the offering. Is that what it says? Some of you ought to write that in your Bible because that's you. He was theirs to hear. No, look what, look what, look what. They devoted themselves. How many of them? All of them because they had the real Jesus. Do you? They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. It means belonging or representing. They were representing, committing, having a quality of being. These were devoted believers. They were, all, they were gathering, loving, serving, giving. They were all in. They were all in. They devoted themselves to what? To the four things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship. All right, so that means when they gather together, this is church, this is discipleship, to the breaking of bread, this is the Lord's Supper, and to praying. That's what they do, a very simple church, very simple church. This is the church being the church. And God is clear as crystal in his word about this. And here it is. I can't save myself in my own power, right? I can't save myself. That has to totally be Jesus, what he did, the gift of eternal life. But I also can't serve by myself. 
in my own power. And you might go, well, John, okay. And if you're a real honest person, to be candid, John, I really have no desire to serve here at Point Harbor, man. And I'll come and drop off my kids and I'll listen to you some. But honestly, that's just not my thing, man, serving and stuff like that. What does that mean? It means one of two things. And thank you for your honesty. You aren't going to like it. You have ears to hear. Number one, you're not indwelt by God's spirit. You ain't saved. You've never received, really received a gift. You got religion. You got church before Jesus. Or you're not filled with God's spirit. You're not empowered. God empowers us by indwelling us at salvation. When you trust Jesus as our Savior, October 21st, 1979, I was indwelt by the Spirit. He came to live inside me. That's a one-time thing in a believer's life. All right? I, w- I was indwelt by the Spirit of God, and then I was uh, gifted. He brought gifts, spiritual gifts. There are different spiritual gifts. Every Christian has at least one. And then he fills us over and over and over again because we end up filling our lives back with ourselves and we got to repent, not for salvation, but for filling and get it right. And, and so the spiritual gifts are represented by these various boxes. They're depending who you believe and read because some of them it's hard to tell if it's a spiritual gift or not. There are around 19 to 20 spiritual gifts in the Bible. 1920. What is a spiritual gift, John? Spiritual gifts are, are, are abilities given to individual believers at salvation by the Holy Spirit in order to equip God's people, the church, for ministry, both in the building up of the church locally and in God's saving mission in the world globally. And I'm talking to genuine believers right now, all right? Second Timothy, he says this to the young Timothy. Young believer, I'm reminded of your, excuse me, your sincere faith, which I am sure dwells in you. So you have, you have a sincere faith, all right? That's, you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. That's one thing I pray every day. Lord, help me to fan my, my gifts, fan the flame of my gifts, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. That's Timothy's spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. Those are, those are different things. They're not all the same. This is the same. I only come to heaven by Jesus. But when Jesus gives me his Holy Spirit, when I trust him as my Lord and Savior, he brings along a, a birthday, a spiritual birthday gift. It is my spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. Everybody has at least one. And my spiritual gifts are to be utilized by me through the filling, the power of the Holy Spirit to minister in and to the local church. That's what they're for, the body. You're part of the body. And he gives a warning shot across our bows in Hebrews. This is pretty heavy. This is written to believers. How should we escape God's discipline if we neglect such a great salvation? All right? So he's talking about a great salvation. How should you escape? Well, how do I neglect it? Because once I have Jesus, right, I always have Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. But he was declared first by the Lord and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. He gives the gifts to each individual believer that he wants. He doesn't give all the gifts. There was only one person that had all the gifts. And who was that? Jesus. As a spirit-filled man. All God, yet all man. So, so what are these spiritual gifts that, you know, the Holy Spirit's doling out, John? I, I, I'm kind of confused. And I, I wasn't taught this that I remember early on. I wasn't taught very much about the spiritual gifts. A lot of reason was because of the charismatics 
And the gifts in the Greek is charisma, or charis, charis, from which you get charismatic. So they took that word, appropriated it a little bit. Uh, but because, you know, we were Baptists at the time, and the charismatics were going crazy over there, you know, they had all their stuff, then we just kind of backed away from it, and pastors didn't really hardly teach on it at all, which was a disservice. And it was some years before I even understood what my spiritual gift or gifts are. And so you can get a leg up this week, even today, this afternoon. I, I don't have time for a deep dive. That'll be another series for another day. You need to find out what yours is, though. I mean, if you believe, if you have never trusted Jesus, don't worry about spiritual gifts. You need Jesus. You need to trust Jesus. You need to accept Jesus. But if you say, okay, I really believe, John, I have trusted Jesus. Okay, cool. Then you need to discern what your spiritual gifts are because God says, how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? Part of neglecting great salvation is neglecting the gift that God gave me. I'm supposed to be utilizing it, not sitting on my butt. So I, 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 I don't know that I have one. Then you're going to hell because every Christian has at least one. The Holy Spirit always brings at least one gift and some two, maybe three, maybe four. I don't know. Here's a quick list, all right? And you could take a picture of this or whatever you want to do. Then they have some that are overlapping, the italicized ones that's mentioned twice. There, and you could write this down, where, where the four major gift passages, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. All right, now Ephesians is more the gift offices, gifted office, apostle, pastor, teacher, but those are basically the gifts that everybody, most everybody agrees with. Some folks say, and, you know, I would lean toward you. Some of them were given, but they're not. Well, for instance, this one, healing, all right? Not to go down a rabbit trail, but let me just help you a little bit. Some of them were, a lot of people believe, foundational gifts for the church. The church was starting. There were new miracles and stuff like that. But, and, and so they would heal. They would heal people that was obvious. It wasn't this fake stuff that you see on TV. Or some of you have been in some healing meeting and you see that, but they never pick somebody that you know, like has a short hand and then they stretch it out like Jesus did. Boom. And so you don't see that. At least I don't see it. I'm not saying there are no healers. I just never met one. It's not very common if it's still around. There were some that many of us believe were more foundational gifts, right, that are not necessary now that we have the whole, the, the whole scripture, the whole of scripture. Remember, they didn't have script, hardly any scripture. By the time Acts was being written, there was Mark and maybe one or two other gospels written, nothing else. So you need to they'll find out what is yours. And so you're like, well, how do I find out what gifts I have, John? Four things, real quick. Read the texts about the gifts. Which ones do you, and, 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 and kind of dive in and see what they really are. Which ones speak to you? All right, read those four. It's just not long passages. And then start serving. Here's a better idea. Start serving, or while you're doing this, in the body where you think you are gifted. You're like, well, John, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I honestly usually end up being the leader somewhere. All right, well, that may mean you have the gift of leadership. All right. Some of you have a passion for giving. Now, we all should be tithing, but these folks, man, they go, Phew. they're just like, man, they can't give enough. All right, you probably got the gift of giving. Serving behind the scenes. Gift of helps right there. They also call it helps. That's serving. You, you don't want to be front. You just want to do stuff behind. You love being in the groove behind the scenes. If I called you up here to pray or pointed you out, you would leave and go to another church. <laughs> yeah, so you probably have the gifts. All right, so... Same, same thing with all of these. Then, here's another one. Ask other folks who know the Bible and know you. Where do you think I'm gifted? 
sit down, take them out for steak or something. Go, hey, just, you know, no, no pressure, but I'm trying to figure this out. Where do you see me? Because they probably, a lot of people want to be something, but they're not that. You know, they lean, oh, or I should be that. No, not if the Holy Spirit didn't say, here, here's a gift. Who's it that chooses the spiritual gifts? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not you, the Holy Spirit. And then number four, take the free online spiritual gifts test. Now, this is not infallible, but we have a free shape test. It's not ours, but it's a, I think it's Rick Warren's. Freeshapetest.com. You can take that. It's going to take you 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how analytic you are. Let me warn you, don't do it as if you think, oh, I should be this. No, no, no. You don't have all the gifts, right? They're, they're the gift of mercy, I don't have. Well, you should be, I should be merciful, yeah. But if I see you out in tears out there and you're, I'm going to be the first one to get to you. I'm going to say, hey, uh, uh, hey, Ron, somebody's crying out there. You got the gift of mercy, right? So, I mean, I will, I'll help out, but, you know, that's not my gift. I should be merciful, but that's not, you know, the person with the gift of mercy, man, boom, they're all over it. All right, free shape test. Take that test. I double dog dare you to do it. And then they say, hey, we're going to email you back with your results. Again, these aren't infallible. It depends on how you answer them. And answer from your gut. And then include us in it so that we can either info at Point Harbor or Pastor Johnny at Point Harbor. Then, then we can sit down with you and say, hey, cool. Well, here's places that really might fit. You'd love this, right? You got the gift of teaching. Man, we got some positions open. You got the lift, gift, gift of you know, service. Man, we got some things behind the scene. Right? We don't want to plug you in where God's not gifted you. You ain't going to like it. We ain't going to like you. All right. <laughs> we'll like you. We'll tolerate you, but we'll try to plug you where you're supposed to go. 1 Peter 4, as each has received a gift, and each has, all right, if they're a Christian, use it, that means employ it, to serve one another, not to have a spiritual fit at home. Oh, John, I got the gift of tongues, and me and Jesus, we have a good time. All right, how are you serving anybody with that? You're just self-edifying. As good stewards, all right, the Holy Spirit gives you a gift, and he says, hey, and I want you to open it, and I want you to explore it, and I want you to employ it, I want you to use it, I want you to be a good steward of it. Amen? So that's what I'm, I'm to be doing. Of God's varied graces, and of God's multiple 19 or so different gifts. But John, I'm still not totally getting it. All right, let me give you a parable. This is a parable of seven gifts. A woman invited seven people to dinner who had the seven gifts of Roman 12. Romans 12, right? It's a part of the gifts, all of them for Romans 12. She comes out of the kitchen carrying a dessert. She trips on a loose rug on the floor, and the dessert is spilled all over the place. Immediately, the person with the gift of helps ran to get a rag to wipe it up. The one who had the gift of prophecy cried, oh, I can see that coming. <laughs> the, the guest with the gift of mercy ran up and comforted her, hugged her, made sure she was all right. The one with the gift of leadership took charge of the entire cleanup. Up. The gift of exhortation person began telling an encouraging and humorous story. They all began to laugh. <laughs> Finally, as the guest uh, uh, with the gift of teaching instructed the host that the scatter rug would be less dangerous in another place. And the person with the gift of giving ran out the door to Kroger and brought back some new dessert. <laughs> That's kind of how it works in the church. But I like how Luther puts it. He was not by Christ's example, heartily constrained to serve others. This is Luther, he's rough, is justly condemned. I mean, if you don't have any passion to serve others, then you probably don't have the God of the passion to serve others. He's harder than stone, darker than hell, and utterly without excuse. Whew. 
Here's where there's a horrendous breakdown in the church. There are many Christians. God has gifted them uniquely. They are sitting in the pews doing nothing. Some of you. Some of you come every Sunday to church and you think you deserve a purple heart for showing up. I showed up on Christmas Eve morning. <laughs> Yay. God's great mission in life is not to save you and have you sit on your butt till you die. That's not his great mission. He says again in 1 Peter, as each has received a gift, employ it, use it to serve one another as good stewards. Be a good steward. Application for your application box. And by using my spiritual gifts at Point Harbor. You are or you aren't. Well, John, I'm in a ministry and I'm serving, but it's not really me. Cool. Then that probably means you're not gifted there. So don't just quit on it. Find out where you're gifted. Take the spiritual gifts test. Talk to other people. Talk to a pastor. And then, and then get plugged in where you are wired, where you are gifted. You're saved. You're going to heaven. So what? So, I mean, that's cool, but you slide into a pew on Sunday and, and slide out an hour and a half later, depending on who's preaching. <laughs> you, you, you figure that somehow, somewhere, God is pleased. Guess again, you're offending your gift-giving God if you just slide in and slide out. That's many of you. And, 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 church attender, church member, maybe church member, Christmas church goer, wherever you're categorized. If you don't have, you haven't received the gift of eternal life, you're in worse shape than that. God promises to discipline Christians that aren't using their gifts, but God has his main gift of salvation that Jesus bought for you on the cross. You haven't received it. You haven't repented. You think he's down with that? You just overlooked it. Well, you went to church on Christmas Eve morning. That was good enough. No. It's either the blood of Jesus or you're going to hell. Back to angry teenager Bill. Remember that hot-headed kid that got that Bible instead of that car? Supposed to be a true story. Time passes. I don't know how much time the article I was reading didn't say. Bill's dad dies. They finally find Bill and they tell him, hey man, Bill, your dad died. You need to come home. Please come home. And, and to sweeten the deal, hey, we're going to go through dad's things and, and, and there might be some stuff you'd want. He doesn't think so, but all right, fine. He comes home. Dad had a lot of stuff. A few nights in, Bill's sitting there going through boxes, all dad's boxes when he sees it that Bible, and the emotions start to rise. His throat starts to tighten, but he picks it up, brushes away the dust, and for some unknown reason, he just starts leafing through it, and there's smack dab in the middle of those pages. What is this? It's an envelope, cashier's check, signed by his dad, the date of his graduation, and the exact amount for the car he'd chosen. Folks, don't offend the gift giver. Don't offend the gift giver. If you have been offending him, stop it. Stop it. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you just say, oh, I believe, man, John, I believe all about it. It's not believing all about it. It's have you received him? Have you personally said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I, I, I need you as my Savior. Right now, I'm asking you to save my soul. I mean it. And those of you that are Christians and have prayed and asked Jesus to save you and really mean it, what about, are you utilizing your spiritual gifts? Do you even know what you have? Do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? Are you using them? Many of you are not. Many of you are not. So why don't you start today? It'd be a great time to start. Christmas Eve morning. God, I pray that you do a work, a huge work in our hearts by your Holy Spirit, Lord, by your empowering Holy Spirit. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed,
Christians. Tell me right now, I need you to, I think God would have you to say, Lord, please forgive me for not knowing what my spiritual gift is. If you've been a Christian for any length of time and you don't know de- definitively what your spiritual gift, I have, I have two that I know of and one that I might. I'm not totally sure about one, so you can be unsure, but I have the gift of teaching and the gift of leadership. I know that. And so I pray every, every day to fan those up. Lord, may I just, may I max those things out. And Lord, I, if I've got the gift of faith, may I max that out. And if I don't have that, that's cool. That's all right. But two, I know for sure. I don't have any of the rest. How about you? What gift do you have? If you don't know, say, Lord, just tell them, I'm going to find out. I'm going to do those things. I'm going to meet with people. I'm going to go online. I'm going to find out. And then, Lord, I'm going to fan that gift. I'm going to utilize it at Point Harbor. If you're a member here, or you're an attender, a regular attender here, I'm going to start using it, Lord. I don't want you to come and have to discipline me or me to be ashamed. I've got heaven, but I don't. I never did anything heavenly the way you intended it. And those of you that have, you, you're like me, till I was 19, you, you, you believe the Christmas story. You believe that Jesus is God, most of you. But you never said, there's never had a time and a place that you can go to, go back to in your mind and go, that is where I trusted Jesus. That's where I was born again. That's where I received the gift of eternal life by faith. That's right there. So, we're going to pray, give you an opportunity too. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just work, 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 work. Holy Spirit, draw folks to yourself. Now, if you're not sure about your salvation, that you have Jesus, that you've you've received him, that you've accepted him, that you've just kind of received that gift and unwrapped, totally embraced him, you can. The Bible says it's very simple. You just, he did all the work. He did all the payment. You just receive it. Say, thank you, take it, and unwrap it in your heart and soul. How do I do that? By faith. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be. Promise. You receive him, you call upon him in faith, repenting and believing, he'll save you. So I'll give you words. They're not magic words. Don't pray them if you don't mean them. But just say something from the quietness of your heart, right where you're sitting. If you're not sure, or if you're sure that you're not, right there, quietness of your heart to the quietness of his, just say something like this, simple. Dear Lord Jesus, tell him that. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Tell him that. I know I'm a sinner. I know you're God. I know you died on the cross for my sins. You paid it all. I pay nothing. I just receive what you did, what you purchased. Tell him that. And right now, Christmas Eve morning, I am. I'm receiving you as my Lord, my Master. I'm receiving you as my Savior, my Messiah. I'm receiving you, all of you, your forgiveness. Lord, save my soul. Make me your child. Forgive my sins. I believe you will because you promised you will. And I'm coming to you, Lord. Nothing I can do except receive you. And I'm doing that right now. And the heads bowed, your eyes closed. We don't do this very much. And I'm not going to point you out. Nobody's looking, but I, I, I would like to just rejoice. The Bible says, that, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you meant it. Nobody's looking. Just raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. I prayed that prayer. I meant it. Yes. Who else? Across the auditorium. Across the auditorium. Hold up. Just yes. 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 Amen. Lord, thank you for these folks. 
and use them, God. Help them now. You, you, your word says that you came in, you saved them. That's your promise. You bring along spiritual gifts, brand new spiritual birthday gifts. Lord, make them now. Find out what those are and Lord, start changing their lives just like you've changed their destiny, using them in your body, the church. In Jesus' name and all God's folks said, amen, amen.